All right, we're live. Welcome to the Timmy Gibson <laughs> Show, everybody. Everybody. Yes. So we've got Jimmy Nicholson via phone, who is Pammy's brother. And brother. Uh, Pammy, you're I, or not Pammy. Uh, Jimmy, you're. Well, how do I? What's your title? Licensed therapist. Yes, licensed marriage and family therapist. <laughs> And Dude then, with a certificate. Uh, a, the one guy that has something to say that means something. <laughs> Pammy and I, we just we just share our thoughts. You know, you know, it's funny though. We're 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 not old, but no. we're not young no. in that sense of. So it's like we've been around the block too. So I don't, I don't feel that pressure of. I'm not a licensed therapist like Jimmy, but that's, I'm glad we have him on the phone, but absolutely. But your experiences as a pastor, True. basically you, you know, you, I was a free counselor, right? <laughs> so not, you know, not Jimmy, do you work for free? Do you, are I you do a free not. counselor? <laughs> I do not. I'm reg licensed and regulated by the state so that I can charge money. Mm. Yes. I love that. And you're, where are you located? You're out in Leavenworth. I, I uh, see clients in two different offices, one in Leavenworth and one in Lawrence. Okay. Oh, I love Lawrence. Can you, can you hear him? Okay. Better now. I can. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, Hey Jimmy, I wanted to talk about, uh, since we don't, we have you for one hour, right? Yeah. Right okay. around there. Okay. Um, one, thanks so much for coming on. You and I did a podcast, man, it's been a bit ago. At this That's point, been months. yeah, it's been a bit. And I know we tried to get something scheduled and just scheduling didn't work. So anyway, right. super glad to have you on the phone. Um, super glad always to have my co-host Pammy here. She's uh, become a, a fixed part of this podcast, which has been so fun. I've really yeah. enjoyed doing this. Um, and primarily, you know, like yesterday, not yesterday, but uh, the last podcast I just did was with uh, L. Hardy. Her book, Beyond Belief, How Pentecostal Christianity Has Taken Over the World. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, <laughs> really interesting conversation. Uh, yeah, I don't even want to talk about it, except just, Jimmy, I think you would find it very fascinating. Um, so I want to talk about today is can people change and and how yeah. how can people change? Because I'm, I'm, I'll give you my thoughts on it. And then Jimmy and Pammy, you guys chime in. I feel that people can grow and change is rare and almost, I would say, non-existent. And here's what I mean by that. I have friends in my life that kind of how they were in high school. Now we're fifties. <laughs> they're still kind of like that. Like, they haven't changed. Yeah, they got a job. They pay a mortgage. They have kids. I mean, they've they've become adults, but they're pretty much they're real similar. The partiers seem to still be partying. The wild ones still wild. The one that can't keep a job still can't keep a job. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see people genuinely changing. So when I say change, just give a definition. I mean, like become a totally another person. That's what I don't see a lot of, but I do see people hone in and, you know, get off drugs or whatever. I mean, I, I've seen people grow, but I just don't see that people change. What do you guys think? Yeah. Well, I think I have different ideas of change. If we're talking about specific things, so obviously what you said to me regarding growth would apply to children because we have entire um, branches of behavioral science devoted to children and their developmental stages. Um, like a child that can't learn or, or doesn't know English learns English. And if that's, if that's the kind of thing you're talking about, you know, did you change or did you learn or did you grow? If we don't, if we don't call learning and growing part of the change, then I think that narrows it down quite a bit. And uh, what's interesting is it's like our whole 
just one look at it. Our entire criminal justice system system seems to have two uh, two different ways of looking at that. One is, you know, there's a punitive and um, a punishment side of the justice system. And the other side is there's a hope for rehabilitation. Yeah. Um, which assumes either learning, growth, or change. Yeah. And I think what I'm trying to get at is I think what you're what you're saying is that if a person has one of the big five uh, personality traits, uh, they take a personality test or inventory or something like that. How likely is it that that person who is very uh, open, high in openness, will suddenly become or or at some kind of catalyst become closed? more than open um how is it you know can someone who's high in conscientiousness um change to not care so much and become low in conscientiousness right is someone who is high or low in neuroticism can they change to be high in neuroticism and then you know experience a higher level of sort of everyday fear about things and is a you know and then the same would go for extroversion is if a person's low in extroversion can they change to become high in extroversion is that the kind of thing you're talking about yes like yeah like an outgoing person a bubbly person typically they're always going to be bubbly and Mm -hmm. someone that's super uh shy typically are you know they stay fairly shy um People that can't often commit or they're flighty, they seem to kind of be that way as, I don't know how in the world she got out of that room. I closed the door. <laughs> she, she's not changing. Yeah, the cat, the, the cat, cat's out. The cat's out. I'm like, how in the world the cat get out? Well, I locked her in the ba- bedroom. Anyway, uh, but so yes, I that's, yeah, that's partly what I mean by, by change to, to let literally almost become a different person outside of, I'm sure people that have traumatic events that can probably adjust someone pretty seriously. I'm guessing. Yeah, I would, I would say that does. And that's probably the most powerful influencer. Um, And just from thinking about it from a, a behavioral health point of view, um, the body's one of the body's most powerful systems is that fight or flight system. Yeah. And trauma stays with a person. This is the theory, right? Is it stays with a person for the longest time. If you've witnessed some kind of life altering traumatic event, um, you can, one of your fight or flight options is to dissociate, shut down and suppress. Mm. And so, people will forget and space of time and like a car crash or something that's really traumatic they'll just lose 30 or 40 seconds maybe a minute or five minutes maybe an hour they'll they'll just lose that from their memory yeah and then you i you know they response to those things stays with them and so did they learn did they adapt did they change or we're gonna or we call that growth Hmm. through that traumatic thing yeah. you know gosh i mean I, i'm yeah. I, I don't know if i'm getting this anywhere here, but no really no absolutely to figure out what the definition is well when you know i think this also kind of this is all it'll it's like throwing a bunch of stuff in a sh- blender and it, it'll eventually be a delicious shake <laughs> here in a minute oh, it will be. <laughs> um but i also think about you know pammy and i often say this on the podcast we say hey you know become the best version of yourself that gives you the best chance at finding someone because you're, you're in a good place. Therefore you make better decisions, yada, 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 yada. But, Mm -hmm. but how do you become the best version of yourself? I mean, how I, you know, I, I was single for three years out in the dating around and met a lot of wonderful, wonderful people. But also I met some people that were just like, what? Like, there was no way on God's green earth. I mean, they were, you know, extreme happy and then sad or just all over the place. And I was just, or super jealous or whatever, I mean, whatever it was for me, I'm sure Pammy has her 
things that she's experienced too. Um, but, and you, we would say, you know, we all need to be the best version of ourselves. And then I say that, which is so easy to say, it just rolls right off the tongue. But then I'm like, well, how do you actually do that? Like, how do you actually grow and develop into a well-adjusted person to where you would really be a good catch for somebody? Hmm. And then you would call that change. Yes. Or growth. A lot of growth. Or growth. Yeah. And I think we might just be lumping all these things in together. Yeah. Maybe say, it's one in the same-ish. Yeah. If, if a person uh, doesn't get along well socially, can they learn to get along socially? Exactly. I think. I, I, and I think the answer is yes. Yeah. What were you to say, Pam? Well, that's what. Pammy. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Jimmy and Pammy, I'm cutting you guys off. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, My fault. No, I'm no. Jimmy, Timmy, Pammy. Yeah, I know. Isn't that a, a nice little? I like it, Jimmy, Timmy, it. Pammy. Uh, I would agree. I would agree that yes, it is possible to change, and and that's all my personal experience. Um, just having from the way that I was growing up and living inside of a, a sense of, of fear and anxiety and not wanting to experience the external world outside of, you know, our small bubble. That's mm -hmm. not me now. Yeah. And the changes, I think the change occurred over, you know, over the years in small pieces until I made a choice to fast track that and work on my inner inner self, you know, my emotions, my thoughts, and even my body to, yeah. to reset to a place where like my neurological system does not respond to fear and anxiety in the same way anymore. Yeah. I no longer, um, I no longer have the same reactions to things uh, that I had, you know, as a child or even as an adult 10 years ago, because I've worked mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. So I, I think it's possible yeah. to change. I think you can change anything you want to about yourself, except your physical, you know what sure. I mean? Like your height, your, you know, you can't change your height. You can't. <laughs> so, um, but I think yeah. internally you can put as much effort and, you know, time into it and with the right training and the right help you can change anything that you want yeah and live a different life yeah yeah i'd I say mean, that's a fundamental premise of therapy too yes of all behavioral therapies or all mental health therapies and the attempt and the assumption is that yes people can change that's why they come in to see a therapist right yeah why would you exist if people didn't want that you know yeah yeah i don't, I don't think they may have those questions Right. I don't know if, well, I think maybe partly what I've noticed is I think maybe some people don't, don't know they need to change. In other words, you, you hold up a mirror, well, you know, we all look in a mirror and then we're like, oh my gosh, I got a, I got a booger in my mustache. Uh, Pammy probably you doesn't don't. say that. You don't. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> but there are, you know, but there are times I'll go in there and I look up my mustache, make sure it's looking good and all that stuff. And like, you know, there's something in there and I'm like, ah. Oh, and I'm thinking if I hadn't looked in the mirror, I wouldn't have seen that. Or had I looked in the mirror haphazardly, not really, really looking to make sure I would have walked out of here with a piece of, you know, crusty in my, in my mustache. <laughs> and I, and I think about people that, that remain the same, but all they do is complain. They just complain, you know, Kansas city is a terrible city for dating. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm probably, you know, I want to be able to tell those people, I'm thinking it's probably you. It's not Kansas City. <laughs> I'm thinking that if you moved to somewhere else, it probably would be about the same. Yeah. Though, yes, surely, if you're in an area that's not, you know, whatever. If you're super, super liberal and you live in Texas, I don't know, Florida. So I'm just trying to make something up here. Okay, yeah, like clearly – those are mostly conservative, a lot of conservative. You're it's maybe you're going to find it a little bit difficult to connect with that crowd because you don't fit that, that worldview. Uh, okay. 
but you know, if you, but then again, you can find those people anywhere. You know, there are liberal people that live in every state, um, regardless whether it's red or blue or whatever. I mean, you could definitely live in a state where it's like a lot of people are Christians. Uh, and, and yet you can still find people that aren't maybe religious and, and make connections. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, I think geog- yeah. what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know, there could be a slight credence to what people are saying. I just can't find anybody in Kansas. Well, maybe you need to move to California or Massachusetts yeah. or, you know, maybe there needs to be a, a change in that way. Um, so, so I don't believe I that think, really. Well, I think what I hear you saying, and this might help us is that I think the three of us would, would go with the premise that people can change, but we would say they probably change through growing. Right. So, so it's not one or the other growth leads to change. Yes. It's part of it. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the key element of desire to change to desire to grow. There's that piece of it too. So, you know, everything you were just describing about that person is, do they have the desire to change? If they have the desire to change, then they have the desire to see things differently. Yeah. And they're going to see the, you know, the liberal person they're looking for in a conservative state. Yeah. Because they're looking for it. They have that, you know, they have that focus. So it's, I think that you have to have a desire to change and a desire to grow. And then you have to change your show, your focus. Yeah. What is it that Tony Robbins says? Is it go by Anthony or Tony Robbins? I think is now Tony. He was Anthony Robbins for a long time, but anyway, he, he says, and I'm going to botch this up a little bit, but I'll get it out for the most part. He says that when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain to change, you'll change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, like when yes. it, when there's, yeah. when you're experiencing, if you're single, you can't <laughs> find anyone. I think yeah. that would motivate someone, especially if they want to be with someone. I think that would motivate you to really try to figure it out. Like what clearly I'm the one, I'm the one that's here on all these dates. Yeah. Some either I'm picking wrong. I'm thinking wrong. I'm, something's got to adjust in order to, does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. And I know trauma does, you know, going through a divorce. Uh, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't, I don't, you know, but yeah, I wouldn't say I changed. Like I'm not, not even at all the same person. There's definitely remnants of me that still reside, but Holy moly. I definitely went hardcore into a journey. I just was reading one of my journals uh, today. I was doing some cleaning and I was like, whoa, my mindset back in 2019. Whoa. I mean, it was tripping me out actually, as I was reading, I was like, whoa, I was just pouring out my guts here. And, and I kept saying in my notes, it, it was interesting. I would say some things that I don't want to repeat, but I was saying some things and then I said, you know, who knows the future? <laughs> I just don't know. Yeah. I just know that I'm on a journey of self-discovery and I'm learning and becoming the best version of myself. And I was just like, whoa, because, you know, the, you, any time in any journey, you know, you think you're thinking different than you were I, when I was a month away from the divorce. I had certain thoughts, two months, you know, three months, a year, two years. Like it was weird to see my progression of what I thought then compared to what I think now, especially religiously. Oh my gosh. I see my journal and I read back how religious I was in my thoughts mm-hmm. and to, to know what I believe now. It's like, wow, I would have definitely thought that this version of me is going to hell super <laughs> quick. Yeah. I found it. I it found sounds it. like your journal reflects the uh, pain of change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's why, yeah, if you're listening, I highly, highly, highly recommend you journal. Journaling is something I just oh, yeah. highly recommend people do. I did that too early in my, I had, I've done it most of my life, my adult life, but I did that early in my 
uh, divorce as well. And I, it was painful for me to read it when I went back and read it. And I was like, what, you know, like, how did you ever believe that? And I lit today, just today found a post-it note that I wrote to myself that said, um, I am worthy of the love my heart desires. I only wrote that a few years ago. Wow. And I, when I looked at it, I was like, how did you never believe that? Yeah. You know, because it's so ingrained in me now, but it's like just two years ago, I believed that I wasn't worthy. Yeah. And I had to tell myself that. So, I mean, yes, I mean, you, you have to, it, just going back and looking at the past, you will see how much you've grown. Yeah. You will see how much, you know, you've changed. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy, I'm curious, um, what in your practice, what do you see as a common issue that couples face or, or the common five, you know, like what's, what are like the top things that you see either individuals coming to you for or, yeah. or couples? Well, if you're talking about couples, one of the things that seems to be in my studies and the things that I read and in my practice, um, a lot of people will feel a sense of um, responsibility for the other person's feelings hmm. or their pain. Yeah. And there's a quick summary of that I try to use um, when I'm talking with people. As I say, I think it's better that we are responsible to each other rather than responsible for each other. Ooh, that's good. Right. So it's not necessarily an either end because uh, you're flexing between those things, I think, all the time. But I think if I was to land on that, I'd say, you know, a good 80 percent, you're responsible to your partner rather than for your partner. And that's probably one of the biggest things that's clouded over when people come, because to be acting as though your responsibility for you're responsible for and trying to solve the emotional hurt or problems of your partner feels like you're actually loving them. Huh? It feels like you're doing the right thing when your partner tries to reach out and tell you how much they're hurting. Um, and this, you know, this may be a guy thing, but it's, it's more of a sort of a codependency thing where um, people, will, partners will sort of feel like, oh, well, they just opened up to me and they were vulnerable to me. So my job must be to solve their problem. Hmm. My job must be to get in there and try to fix those emotions and problems, uh, emotions in there. And so obviously the course of therapy that I take people through is to say, um, I think it would be better, you would be better off to be responsible to your partner when they are transparent and vulnerable to you. Because you need a strong partner who can soothe themselves emotionally, who can stabilize yeah. their yeah. own emotions. Yeah. Because like, like Cam, Tammy, you say this often in different ways, that you that's what you found in your journey was a sense of self, a sense of self-regulation, a sense of self-determination, uh, like knowing what you're after, knowing what you want. And then when you find someone, you find a partner who is right there with you, capable of listening, capable of hearing all the doubt and the frailty that you have. And at the same time, not trying to change you or fix you. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're attending to you. Mm -hmm. And they're right there with you, responsible to you, not to let that go, you know, to pay attention to that, to attune to you, but not to solve the problem for you. Yeah. Yeah, I call that emotional accountability. Okay. You know, is it I'm I'm emotionally accountable for my own feelings and the processing of those. But I want a partner who is able to come alongside and, you know, be there if I need to, to process out loud or just like you said, but, and then have a partner who is also able to manage their own 
their own state and their yeah. own emotions without trying to put it on me. And I think, Timmy, we didn't, we do a podcast about that, talking about not putting our stuff on others, yeah. on others and on our partner, but rather including them in our process as we go through it, but sure. not putting it on them. And that's, you know, wow, Jimmy, I hadn't really, uh, just the way you worded it, it it's making me think deeply because why I've always struggled with when I would meet someone and, and start to kind of date them. And yeah, I would, there was this, like, I felt like I needed to, you know, I wasn't responsible to them. I was responsible for them. You know, like I need to do this to make them happy or whatever. And realizing that that didn't work for me. Like I need someone that depends upon themselves. Like I wanted an independent, strong, yet feminine partner. I didn't want to have to be the sole reason that they were happy or fulfilled or whatever. I really, we talk about that a lot. Yeah. Just, I wanted someone who was happy, had their stuff, were doing things, had a life and I could come and share my life along with them, you know? Um, yeah. And they could share their life with me. And there wasn't this, this codependent kind of dance going on uh, where I felt responsible for someone. Matter of fact, that's why, mm -hmm. you know, Pammy knows this. I, that's why I didn't get a dog or a cat or anything. Of course, now I do. Um, because at that time I was like, I just want to care for myself. Yeah. Like I do not want to yeah. be responsible for anybody, any animal, nothing. I don't want anything. Another reason why I liked living in the apartment so much. It, I didn't, if something broke, I called the office, they came up and fixed it. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't have to worry about any of it. And, uh, mm -hmm. and that was healing, man. And it wasn't until about the close to the end of the three years that I was like, okay, you know, and I got my dog back and, uh, and then of course my, my wife wanted a cat, which is fine. I mean, I, she's wild, but she's awesome. <laughs> she's a friendly cat. Yeah. She's very friendly. Yes. Yeah. Very friendly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it. That's a, that's a, that's a, that doesn't surprise me. Um, that's why, gosh, you know, this is something that comes up a lot in our conversations, just how important it is to be able to reg regulate, I like all those words, regulate your own emotions and recognize your own insecurities and then dig into it to grow, to, to grow yeah. beyond that. Because it's like, it's like, it's like having a broken limb and you, and you never fix it. Like it's going to forever be something that's going to, yeah. F with you. This is right. It's just going to mm -hmm. always be something that's just going to cause you to not quite, it's going to cause you to just hobble, hobble along. So when people don't yeah. take care of their emotional state and deal with some kind of past trauma or whatever, whatever has gone on. And when I say trauma, I don't, that doesn't mean you had to been abused. I mean, it could be you got divorced or it could just be life, you know, just trauma from just life in general. Um, that's why it's just so important to really, you know, it's, it's so, uh, what's the word, um, to say, you know, self-care, you know, it's trendy. It's mm -hmm. the trendy thing to say self-care, but, but it's true. Yeah. You know, it's true. It's true. Um, doing things that you love to do hanging out with people that you love hanging out with um, as yeah. well as taking time to, you know, grow and educate yourself. Well, I think you guys are good examples of this next summary I can give you. And that's, <clears throat> I think people are better partners when they are better single people. Ooh, yeah. So, and I've and I've I've watched Pammy. I've watched your journey. Obviously, um, learning how to be a single person, um, uh, and and changing to that makes you so much more, and you have so much more to give in a partnership. And Timmy, I'm sure you're saying the same thing with your own journey. The better you are at being single, the more capacity you have for partnership. 
Let's take a quick pause for a commercial break. We'll be right back. I like to say when, when, when you're in a good partnership, you're available to your partner when they're losing their shit. And your partner is available to you when you're losing your shit. Yeah. But, but you're never responsible for the other person. Yeah. Responsible to them. And so out of the abundance of yourself, you can bring greater intimacy. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, it, and what people experience when they come in, I think usually is the opposite of that. They begin to simply pull at each other trying to fill the void and feeling that the other person is responsible to fill the emptiness, to fill the void, to sort of uh, settle them. Where when you're single, you only have yourself to do it. You know what? Okay. Something just came to mind as you were saying this, Jimmy, you guys just disagree or agree. Tell me if I'm on the right track here. One of the reasons I think what Jimmy just said is so critically important that you're a, a happy, content, fulfilled, whatever as a single makes the best potential for a mate. I'm compatible with myself yeah. <laughs> or, or I want to be like, you know what I'm, I want to be. In other words, I want to live congruent with who I am and what I want to be. Like, I want those to be congruent. You know, if you want to be a certain person, but you're acting in a way that's completely contrary to that, you're not compatible with yourself. So the more that you become compatible with yourself and living true to yourself and all that, that does give you the potential to be, with someone else. But what Jimmy said makes me think to myself, that's why compatibility is so important because congruency within yourself leads to happiness or the best chance at happiness. Same as congruency or compatibility with a partner. Hence, this is just an easy one to say, but if you're a super clean and tidy person being with a real dirty, messy person, that's not congruent. And you are going to then try to pick up the slack and be responsible for that person's yes. lack of cleanliness, which will drive you fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> and I know yes. this. <laughs> I know this. And so what happens, and I'm sure it goes both ways. I, I'm sure that uh, uh, the other partner can say that about their partner, just as they can say about each other, that, there were things that they felt responsible for because it wasn't compatible. They weren't compatible. Therefore you had to pick up the slack over there. That's fascinating. Am I, am I thinking correctly or. Well, boy, I, I might argue with you a little bit. Yeah, do it, do it. <laughs> I might argue with you on that. It depends on what you're talking about with compatibility because there's a vast differences between people that can still be, they can still have a good relationship because Absolutely. you'll experience this in a work environment with coworkers. It's the job itself brings you together. Um, it wasn't that you were compatible, but you can be highly effective on the job site or in the office with colleagues. And generally you might say you're not really compatible with them. Interesting. And the, the you know the question there is, well, how can you do that in that environment? And yet you can't do that with your partner. You know, I guess when I think about compatibility, let me, I guess, clarify. When I think of compatibility, I don't mean if I'm outgoing and they're more shy, that, that you know, introverted, extroverted. Okay. I think that's fine. I don't, I don't think that needs to be compatible. That can be complimentary. But more uh, like if you're a super highly religious person. I think you would probably be doing yourself a favor to find someone who's also fairly religious. Um, if you're outdoorsy and you want to be outside and you're not a big TV watcher and, and you work out, I think you might struggle with a more homebody, lazy, doesn't want to be outside, doesn't care about fitness. Those are the kind of things. When I think compatibility, I'm thinking like those big things like. That sounds like values. Oh, okay. Compatibility of values, the way you're describing. Right, right. Things. Yes. And that would mean that it would be easier for you as partners to kind of shoot for the same values. Yes. And if you're saying that, you know, if you have different 
uh, views on religion, then your values that are important to most people and allow us to see the world in a certain way, if those are really far at the ends of the spectrum, then I agree with you that that is going to be difficult to uphold and maintain. Yeah. Not I'm not saying it's impossible. Right, right. But yeah. it's going to be difficult. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all probably known couples. I have. I've, I've known Christian people that their husband's an atheist and, you know, and somehow they make it work. I'm not in the home, so I don't know how they make it work, but they have. I mean, I've known a couple that was, when I knew them, they were at that point married like 25 plus years. So somehow they were making it work. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think to single people, I would say, be thinking about compatibility, you know, just be, be aware of can, you know, could I be with someone who is religious or non-religious, you know, opposite of you could, you know, could I be with someone who is, the opposite of me, you know, could I be with someone that doesn't care about fitness, doesn't care about any of that, but they're just such a good person. You know, could I just ignore that and say, fine, I'll, I'll just continue yeah. to take care of myself. Let them, you know, not. <laughs> right. Yeah. I might wonder what would attract you romantically to a person who didn't share all those values that's true too yeah because i know what would attract you in terms of working with them as a co-worker you know you have the same uh profession right. that's what gives you some common ground but beyond that you don't necessarily have to see the world the same and pursue similar values right but if you're a highly confident individual and you find someone with those opposite values tremendously attractive well you probably can make it work yeah if they if they can if they're self-assured very strong in their own self-actualization themselves yeah. but if you have if you if you're not that's when you start to mesh up and get confused in each other right and you're still trying to live out two polar opposite values and you're not much of a self yeah. And then I think you got a problem. Then I would say, yeah, now we're talking about <laughs> serious incompatibility. Yeah. What do you think, Pammy? <laughs> well, and I look at compatibility as the whole of vision, values, and lifestyle. So, you know, those, oh, yeah. those three things together to me are the compatibilities. And it's easier to... I mean, if you divide those up, you, some things fit into the values section, you know, like kindness, thoughtfulness, um, you know, religion, the way that you, you know, your sp spirituality, spiritually at, <laughs> 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 oh, my tongue's got me today. <laughs> and, you guys been drinking? No, <laughs> no, 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 water we and whatever, should. what have you no, got? Coffee? I'm just drinking coffee. <laughs> I'm jacked up on coffee. Yeah. Um, but so I, in, in lifestyle, you know, would be, do you, are you a fitness, um, into fitness or, you know, are you a fitness fanatic or are you just someone who wants to stay in shape? You know, how, how do those, but can it, can it work either way? If, if you have someone who, you know, does want to go to the gym all the time and the other person just wants to go for walks, they're both fitness. Yep. You have a, a, a value for health and you have a lifestyle of fitness can those things still work well absolutely they yeah. can but if you you know if one of your visions is to work out with your partner on a regular basis then then those two things may not line up so then you may yeah. not have compatibility so i think and it, it's not as complicated as it sounds sure, sure. because we know what we we know what what it what feels right. We know what fits. We, you know, we, if we know those things. And so. you know, that's funny. You mentioned that too, Pammy, cause I, uh, you know, I, I think about it a lot just because, you know, recently getting married and, uh, working with so many different couples and, and marriages and, and weddings and all the things that I'm involved in this whole world of love. And I think feelings are a big part of it. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. I mean, feelings. you just, yeah. I mean, it's like you, you meet someone and you feel something, you know, it's not like you make just a total 
just a calculated, maybe some people do where it's just like a calculated, this person would be a good person for me to marry. Right. Because they, they check all the boxes. Right. They check they all have, the boxes. Yeah. I don't feel no. anything towards right, them, right. but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do okay. this. Yes. Like feelings, I guess are under or over. I don't know there, but I think that's also where it can get messed up is that you do feel something. And then that blinds you to the incompatibilities. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, where you're a, like, yeah. you feel a lot. I mean, everybody I've ever married felt a lot. And that's why they were at the altar marrying each other because they felt all these things. And, you know, what is it? 50% of all marriages end in divorce. So it's like that those feelings didn't keep it together for some reason. I think emotions and Jimmy, you can chime in on this if you want, but I feel like emotions have to be checked when it comes to relationships when you're first starting starting to date someone, those feelings of um, excitement come up, and the desire to spend time with that person, and and missing them, and all of those things that come up, are they there because of the other person, or are they there because of where you are, and right. your own emotional state? Yeah, and I think that's you know, I think that's the the piece that we often skip over. Because we think, oh my gosh, because I'm dating this person, I feel this way. Yeah. And it's not necessarily mm. true. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're attributing even the good feelings to your partner, you're still doing the exact opposite of what J Jimmy was talking about earlier. Oh, you're, wow. You know, so this is good. You can't just, you know, you can't just look at it from the fear based emotions, but it's the love based emotions too. I mean, I, you know, think about like, and I'm, it, use this as an example. When you told Jessica that you loved her, you also had no expectation that she was going to say it back to you right. at that moment. Right. And you set that for yourself. Yeah. It, what if you had not, if you had not said to yourself, you know, I'm in love with this woman. I love everything about her and I'm going to tell her and gosh, I hope she feels the same way. What the outcome would have been completely different yeah. in that moment. But because you set the expectation and you knew that Timmy loves Jessica. Yeah. And you stopped there and that was okay with you. And it was okay for you to feel love for her and express it. Everything worked out. Yeah. You know, I mean, you didn't have, it, right. it was a great moment for you, both of you. Yeah. So I think that's where we have to really, you know, look at what are the expectations we have even with the love-based emotions yeah. in a relationship. Wow. That's good, Pammy. That's true. I mean, I think that comes from, I was secure in myself. I knew what I was feeling. What she felt wasn't, I mean, it was kind of didn't matter. Like it didn't it, matter what, yeah. she, I mean, yeah. I knew my, I was going to speak my truth. If she reciprocated, great. If she didn't, that's fine too. Like this is, so that's interesting. I hadn't really thought of it through like that, that, how how important that is you know i was thinking about this the other day with with regards to jessica i was happy as a single person and she never made me unhappy that's that was something that i was always aware of i i would say i mean she definitely made me happy you know even more like the feelings of happiness were rising yeah. but it was like other people I dated in the past, there would just come a point where it was like, they were making me unhappy. You know what I mean? In the sense of, I was like, I couldn't, I can't, I just can't, I couldn't do this. And so I'd just be like, you know what? I, this isn't working you know, and, and move on because it was like, I need someone that isn't going to take away from my happiness for sure. And at least keep it the same. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, like I was just always very aware that she wasn't distracting from my happiness. Right. She was, ex and, and, and this is a tough, it's a, a tricky one because if you own your emotions, Jessica can never make you unhappy. True. So if, if you own that, Jessica can expand or enhance your happiness. Yeah. But she doesn't own any piece of it. Right. And that's the tricky part. Right. I don't know, Jimmy, if you have more, you want to add to that because. No, I was agreeing with you the whole time. I was saying, <laughs> here, here. Yeah. I think that's the, the principle of 
not being responsible for Timmy's emotions. Yeah. Jessica's not. Right. And you've discovered that she doesn't make you unhappy. That's a huge plus. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure. That's yeah. All you. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that's it makes all sense. You. I mean, it was always exactly. And maybe that was more about it. It was, it was an incompatibility that I realized, ah, yes. Yes. okay. It didn't align with, right. This wanted. is not aligning. Right. This is not aligning with my happy state. Yep. And I can't put up with this kind of, you know, and that can only occur for someone who is in tune to their own emotional state and what they want in their vision for their yeah. relationship. If you don't know any of that, you would never recognize what you just said. Oh, I had to, there are three big things I remember as I was dating better and better before I met Jessica, I got into some relationships where they were like potentials, like they were potential. Let's see where this goes. Let's see what's up. But I had done so much work on myself. I knew what wouldn't work with me. And when those things would come up, I would be like, nope, yeah. there's no way I can be in a relationship where that's taking place. I just can't. I just know I can't. Yeah. And so I could walk away kindly and and move on. And that that... Yeah, you're right. That took a lot of work on my end the previous three years of really learning and growing and coming to find out what works with me, what doesn't work with me, how I can benefit someone else, what I have to offer, and et cetera. Yeah. Knowing yourself and becoming stronger. Yes. Becoming more of a self. Yeah. Jimmy, you got to, do you have to go now? No, I'm uh, using my happy little AirPods, and I'm on the road. Oh, okay, good. All right, because I know, so I know I'm you're... driving. Oh, and good. Still in on the conversation. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to make sure for, that uh, for at least another half hour. Yeah. Well, we got another. Uh, let's see. Uh, about twelve minutes. Um, okay. Well, or so, maybe ten minutes. Well, any other thoughts on that? What? Yeah, Pammy, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, Jimmy, you you listed two two things that uh, couples come to you for the emotional responsibility. And I think you said just being, maybe this was in line with that of just uh, able to stabilize their emotions or being a better partner. Um, did you have anything else? Oh what yeah, are, there's a lot more. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll go. <laughs> do tell, well, do tell. As, as far as what a lot of people will come in with some interesting with some interesting patterns that are recognized, and since they're not uh, they're not aware of it, um, a lot of people are trying to solve an anxiety problem, and they sort of they get creative, and there's a system that they have between them to deal with their anxieties, <clears throat> and uh, this is the the theory that I learned under is that these systems, the number one thing that these systems try to do is to always stay the same. Yeah. So, the, you know, the big fancy word for that would be homeostasis. The system always tries to stay the same because it works for some, you know, whether it's in a dysfunctional way or a functional way, it's trying to stay the same because it works. And so, people eventually get to the point where they're tired of the side effects of the dysfunction and they come in and they tell you they want to change. But what's difficult for them is that like even after a few sessions, they'll come back. We really like coming here. And that's my cue to say, well, that's about to change. <laughs> <laughs> because my job is to disrupt this system, which you think is working but the reason you're here is because you don't like the way it's working. So then we start to talk about their process. Well, I tried to bring something up because we were at a party and he made me feel so alone because he went and talked to everybody else and I was all alone by myself. This happens every time. This is at every party. And they begin to share 
And so you'll notice a pattern whereby one person begins to reach out and to talk about and to be emotional or emotive, use their emotions to try and reach to the other person, say, help me feel good about myself. And then typically in that pattern, the other person will sort of withdraw. You have one that reaches and one that withdraws, and it's a process. And they do it in different ways. Some are very sneaky. Most people are very, very proficient at keeping this system working the same. And so they usually bring in another person from their family, their mother, their father, their sister, their brother, and uncle, and aunt, a cousin, or a friend. And then they scapegoat that person or they'll collaborate with that person to ease the tension between the two people. But that system is still ongoing. And so they just find ways around it. And they come into therapy and they'll try to use the therapist to be oh. that third person. And they don't change. They just come to the therapist and pay the therapist to hear their troubles. Oh. <laughs> so that's why I tell them, I say, well, you like to come in here for a couple of times because I didn't try to change your system. But now I'm going to try and change your system and you're not going to like me. Right. That's my job. I don't believe that you can change it if you if it, everything stays the same. Yeah. I think that's probably the third most common category of resistance to change or desire for change. Yeah, that's interesting. What do you do uh, much with singles or mostly couples? I have. What seems I to have, be a yeah. common a common thread and and maybe a couple things that you notice single people dealing with. Well, I'd say there's a there's a one thing would be if a therapist doesn't if a ther therapist sees sees a person as an individual and doesn't take into account that that person is a part of a system. Here I go again. That that person has a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, uncles, aunts, cousins, and um, or whatever else you're dealing with. Um, then you're trying to deal with that person on an individual basis. No person is an individual without influence. Right. From all those people and the systems around you, the place you work, the systems of being at a place of work. All those things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you do you do? Um, uh, you know what? There was something you said. One of the first things you said. Well, that was, was, a, sorry, that was an incomplete thought. But go ahead. Uh, <laughs> the, well, yeah. The, go ahead. The, go ahead. Finish. What, yeah, you, wanna, is, you wanna bring people up. see themselves. That's you know they'll come in and they see themselves as having all these symptoms and they have issues that they're concerned about and rest. But a lot of times you try and t I try to convince them that those symptoms are not just a consequence of being alone and being themselves. So a lot of my conversations are to try and see them in that system of uh, their family, their family legacy, the relationships in their family. And uh, so I, that's often an eye opener yeah. for people when they come in and, and they're just coming in by themselves. You know, maybe it's a product, especially with parents, right? You know, maybe it's a product of my age and intention of really trying to, to grow. I, it took me a while to really be okay with me. And, mm. and that, that's one reason why I think I'm in such a great relationship. My wife is very okay with her self. And as most women do mature quicker than men, she's very okay with herself, which is one of the things I told her the other day. I said, you know what I like about you? Or I said, love about you among so many things. I said, you're the same around everybody. Like you're the same around my friends that you don't know that you are with your friends that you do know or customers at work or bandmates or like, she's the same now granted. I mean, there's slight differences, obviously, if she knows the people, you know, there's a slight freedom there, obviously. Uh, but she's pretty just true to who she is. She doesn't change at all much. You know, I mean, like I said, outside of the normal stuff that we would 
everybody would change. Uh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit more jokey and a little bit inappropriate jokey with people I know, you know, that, that get that. So clearly that's a little different, but I just thought that was fascinating, but it, I think it goes to kind of your point, Jimmy, is the more that we can be okay with ourselves and, and congruent or content or whatever the, whatever the word is the just the better off life experience is going to be in general. I like the way you put that, you know, my theoretical bias, um, uses the term togetherness and separateness. And what you just described was that you love the fact that your wife is the same, whether she's by herself or she's with other people. Yeah. And that shows up as a, a strength of self that other people can rely on. And I think that's what you're just describing in, in my theoretical bias. Um, the concept is called differentiation. Yeah your ability to navigate between being alone and being together yeah, and go back and forth and whenever it's necessary, but you're the same self in both situations. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that we had talked about the other day um, when we were just reflecting on our relationship and I was just recounting some different experiences that were memorable in my mind with her along the way. And I told her, I said, you know, it's wild as I, I said, I was never, I never felt like I was really trying to impress you. I was just being me. And, and, and I never felt that she was trying to really impress me either. You know, it was just, I mean, she was impressive to me as who she was. Uh, and that was just a, a very unique feeling. It, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't watching her P's and Q's or she wasn't trying. She just wasn't. She just was like, this is me you know, like it, lump it, don't, whatever. I don't care. And, you know, I, I had that kind of the same attitude of, you know, I mean, I, I'm not trying really hard to get her to like me. I'm just being me, Yeah. you know, and hopefully that'll work. (laughs) I think that is, that is something like when we go, go back to talking about how do you feel around that person that you're dating when you find someone that you can be yourself with, oh and I know goodness. that's so, it sounds so cliche, but it's so true because you found a, you found a place where, and hopefully you're that way with yourself. And yes. as you said, you are, and I think that's where it stems from. But also when, when you recognize that being with someone allow gives you, you know, that playground yeah. to, to discover more about yourself, but also to be yourself yeah. where you are right now. And that person is welcoming, you know, you in yeah. all of your you-ness. Yeah. I don't know. I mean that to me, there, there's just such a comfort and a peace that, that happens when you're in a relationship like that. Yeah. Amen. Well, any last minute thoughts, uh, Jimmy, before we go, we got like one minute. I think it's a great discussion. Yeah. I really I think did. you guys are- just to encourage you both, I mean, I think you're both great examples of uh, becoming stronger individuals that can contribute in a relationship. Um, so you've, you've both addressed your own personalities, your own temperaments and preferences or whatever. I think you're great examples of change. And uh, that change has been towards becoming stronger so that you are a better partner. Yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. Well, thank you, Jimmy. I I loved you the moment I met you. I I, I told you you would. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to hang out more. And in fact, maybe I'll maybe I'll uh, we'll make some make some trip out. I'll come out that way, and we can hang out and have a brewski or a cocktail or a cigar or I don't know what you do, but we'll do I'm something. I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jimmy, have a great rest of your day, brother. Thanks for having me on, folks. Yeah, yep, love thank you. you. Love you too, brother. See you. Take care. Yep. Bye. Bye. Pammy, I love, you, I love you, brother. I know, I do <laughs> he too. Just, you know, it's funny it, because he's a licensed therapist. Um, it's just nice because he can give some of those clinical, yeah, uh, uh, or clinical, you know, a clinical perspective, yes. which I really, really appreciate. Yes. So, yeah, everybody, thanks for joining us again today. Uh, I'm excited, Pammy. I've got a podcast coming up in the next few weeks 
with Michael Shermer, who uh, just look him up, everybody. It'll be so fun. Sounds awesome. Peace, everybody.